What's good, Badger fans? We are back to tip off another edition of a Shot of Whiskey podcast brought to you by the good people at New Amendment as a part of Beyond the Big Ten Podcast Network. You can check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you get your podcasts. And on YouTube and all other socials, that's Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok with the handle at Beyond the Big Ten. Not spelled out, but the number 10. I am former Badger All-American Jordan Taylor. And back this week by popular demand is my guy, Badger All-American, 2011 second round pick and eight-year NBA vet, the one and only John Lure. Johnny, you got a week off for load management last week, man. What's good with you? Yeah, you know, I'm getting old, man. I need that load management. And and back by popular demand, I don't know if an old uh, washed up, <laughs> Big Ten slash NBA players in popular demand, but I'll take it. I appreciate the hype. Yeah, man. You all, you know, you're always popular with the fans, man. You're always popular with the fans. <laughs> I got before we get into it, man, you know, it's Super Bowl week, so we got we'd be remiss not to discuss it. Who you got, Chiefs or Eagles? Uh, I think the Eagles have a better team, but I think Mahomes is just that dude. And I think he's gonna show us why Jalen Hurts could be that dude. But uh I, I like the Chiefs because I think Mahomes is gonna go crazy. You know what? You, you don't you don't have much quarterback sense. I know you think Tom Brady's better than Peyton Manning still, so I'm glad to hear you got some sense on the Mahomes Mahomes argument. So hey, I know I've been I, saying Mahomes <laughs> is going to be the greatest quarterback ever since his rookie season, and that is on record in our text thread. <laughs> you gonna go back and get the receipts, man? You gonna go back uh-huh. and find? You have said that. I'll give you. I'll give credit where credit is due. You know, I always keep it real. You know what I'm saying? So you have said that, and Mahomes is looking like that with the second NFL MVP, but. Let's see what happens. Should be a good game. We just wanted to touch on that. Let's jump right into it, man. Big win at Penn State for our Badgers this week. Uh, The only game that we'll get to cover this week as Nebraska comes up a little bit later today at the time of this recording. Uh, But let's jump into the X's and O's, man, with Penn State. You know how we do it. Welcome back. I'm going to let you lead it off. We go with things we didn't like to start out. Uh, Okay, didn't like. Uh, I have just one thing, and it's a a grievance with – the officials and not just these officials, but every official in the sport of basketball backing down on post up. Steven Crowell had a back down and the guy clearly flops, right? As soon as he feels the contact and they call a charge. I think that rule should be banned from basketball. Like if you're playing post defense, you have to hold your ground and just eliminate offensive fouls because it's, it's so frustrating. It's at every level. Right. I see a coaching in high school. It's even worse. Guys just fall down and it's automatically charged. Um, and it's just something that's got to change. And I'm so tired of seeing that call over and over again, whether it's in the Big Ten, whether it's in, you know, even in the NBA, sometimes you'll see it. Um, but that's just one thing that just just gets me, man. I, I, I'm so pissed when I watch that and I see that. That's uh that's crazy you say that because it's obviously in Europe as well. We actually had a, a ref call a flop. One ref called a, a foul, and the second ref came in from across the court to call a flop, like an open court foul. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. But uh, obviously, uh, the the flopping alone has been getting a lot of attention uh, from the likes of uh, for Fran. I think Fran Fraschilla weighed in on it. Maybe a lot of people have weighed in on it. So I think you're right. 
I also think that we're going to start, that we're going to have to give you your own segment where you can just rant and yell at the clouds. You turn into that old <laughs> dude, man. You turn into Homer Simpson's dad, man. But and and, and dis- point. disclaimer on that, I definitely used that technique when I was playing in Wisconsin, for sure, because, <laughs> because it worked, right? The ref's going to call an offensive foul, so why wouldn't you do it? But then when I got to the NBA and I, and I uh, when I was with the Grizzlies playing against Zach Randolph and Marcus All every day in practice, like you can't just sit there and take charges against them in practice. So like I had to learn how to actually play post-defense you know, use leverage, hold my ground, absorb the back down. And yeah. honestly, that's just how the game should be played. Nobody yeah. wants to come out here and watch watch people fly. No, no, no one wants to watch officials in general. And it seems, honestly, I don't remember officials being this, um, uh, what's, what's the word we're looking for, uh, scrutinized when we were playing. But it seems like officials at every level are just struggling right now. It really does. And I don't know. I don't know what that is, like it, but the calls, it may, the, the game's gotten faster, so maybe that has something to do with it, and just it's, it's more difficult to officiate now. Where you know, mm-hmm. I guess leagues are incentivizing uh, refs to make you know those touch type fouls and and things like that. They're obviously being incentivized to to call flops and stuff like that. So it's also you have to look at it from that side. If they want to work in March, they have to they have to make those calls too. So it, you right. know, it goes it goes both ways. So your grievance maybe should be with the NCAA more so than the officials. But that's neither here nor there. But I'm with you as far as things we didn't like. I didn't have much, man. It was it was a good game. I, I had to nitpick. One of them was Penn State's we are chant has to go. That absolutely has to go. I'm so on TV. It sounds so bad. I think it's the dumbest chant in the world. No one cares that you are Penn State. Y'all are whack. Y'all don't win anything. And that's word to my boy, Tim Frazier. No disrespect. I love y'all, but y'all will never win nothing. And I talked to Taylor. Hey, and you know who else has that? And you know who else has that chant? Talking about the wackest schools? Who Who else? Our biggest rival. We are Marquette. Come on, man. You Facts. can't come up with a better cheer than that. <laughs> Facts. Facts. So that, yeah, that one has to go, man. But we got a really good guest coming in here in a second. So let's get into the things that we did. Oh, one thing I didn't like actually was the late game. Uh, I, I like the late game execution. We got Chucky off, uh, especially the late game shot by Chucky. Got the switch with uh, with Connor Winter, and the second time he got Jalen Pickett. So those are little things that, as a young team, they have to be, uh, you know, notice. It's an easier shot over Connor Winter than Jalen Pickett. But let's get into the things we did like very quickly. Uh, I'll start off. For me, it was the was the pinch post uh, split action that Coach Guard seemed to put in. He's put in a little bit of it, but they really ran it a lot this week into dribble handoffs. Got Chucky going downhill, and then got, um, you know, it's easier to get post touches that way as well. Yeah, no, I mean there there was a, a lot of a lot of like uh, offensively. I think we made a concerted effort on getting the ball into the paint, um, you know, and, and causing breakdowns in their defense through penetration and our passing. Our interior passing was amazing this game. I mean, every time somebody drop drove, it was a drop off. You know, our rule that we have, you know, drop it to the floor when you drive into the paint. Uh, we had so many assists off that, and and, and uh, you know that was great to see us. Because when we get into the paint and we can score in the paint, it opens up our threes. 100%. 100%. The pace was great as well. Tyler Wall was great uh, returning to form. Uh, he looked like he was on balance. Um, you know, he, he looked like the Tyler Wall of all the other couple of baskets where it looked like he was about to fall down and he was able to regain his balance and, um, and, and score there. So that was a, a sight for sore eyes, you know, 16 and eight assists for him. So, you know, and, and then I'll say made Jalen Pickett really work. I know he had 19 or 17, eight and eight but 18 and 19 or eight of 19 shooting and every shot seemed to be contested or tough. So that was, I thought it was really one of the better games we played. And it's exciting because I think to have the full squad back, it really kind of shows that if, if we can find that consistency, I think we'll be a tournament team. 
Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up uh, Tyler Walt because he was the other thing I liked. Just seeing him get more and more healthy, right? Um, we got some numbers on this, okay? Wisconsin averages 65 points per game without him on the court defensively, okay? When he's on the court, we give up 59 points a game. So that's just such a huge, uh, such a huge asset having him on the floor. Um, and then offensively, same thing. There's that huge discrepancy uh, with him on the floor versus when he's been out. So uh, as he gets healthier and healthier, I think that's going to bode well for us as we make this stretch run and, and hopefully work our way into the tournament. 100%, 100%. And speaking of the tournament, we're going to get into our scouting report section right here, man, of, of the show. We got a very special guest this week, man. We welcome in a true legend in the sport. Mike DeCourcy has covered the game for 35 years, 32 Final Fours. He's a member of the U.S. Basketball Writers Hall of Fame. 28 years at Sporting News. It's kind of like the Kobe Bryant or the Red R back over there. Uh, studio analyst at the Big Ten Network and bracketologist at Fox Sports. Mike, you need no intro, but we want to show love and give you one anyway. And, you know, we're, we're super happy to have you here to talk about the tournament. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Mike, for coming on. Oh, glad to do it, John. Uh, great to hear you hear from you guys and and more than delighted to join you. Man, so now that you're here, we're glad you're here, but we got a little beef with you, man. We just beat Penn State. That's our fifth quad one win. You still got us on the first four out. What's happening? What's happening? Let us know. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a few things that Wisconsin has to overcome, and it, it really starts to it really starts with the analytic part of the process and that is an important part of what they do uh, Wisconsin's metrics are not great uh, at this point 73rd in the net uh, it, it, the other metrics as well are not super flattering to the Badgers uh, we're talking about uh, at this point uh, them needing to improve in Ken Palm they're, they're 64th in Ken Palm 66th in the BPI these are all all these metrics are contained on the, what they call the team sheet, what the selection committee calls the team sheet. And if, if I want to know, if I'm in, if I'm one of the members of the selection committee, one of the 10 members of the selection committee, and I want to know what's Wisconsin's resume look like, I call up their team sheet. And these metrics that I'm talking about are on there. Now, there are also the metrics that are not based on point spread and those sorts of things. They're that the result-based metrics. And Wisconsin fares better there, uh, 37th in strength of record, 44th in KPI. So they're, I think they're straddling the, 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 the idea of in or out at this point. And so anybody that has them in, it's defensible. I mean, there, there, there are teams that you can say uh, that, I, that I'm surprised sometimes that are in a field or whatever. But anybody that has the Badgers in, I totally get it. To an extent, some of the teams that are still hanging on to first four status, uh, like North Carolina, you're kind of with what they have and what they're capable of. You're kind of waiting for them to play their, themselves all the way out. Uh, you're talking about a team that has four starters back from the uh, defending national runner-ups. Uh, they they have all those guys, and they've they've done some good things, and they've played enough good basketball that they haven't completely excused themselves from the process. And if they continue to lose, continue to play at the rate that they are. Then they'll fall out. And the ba in the Badger situation, if they play the last month uh, like an NCAA tournament team, they'll be an NCAA tournament team. And the 
the, the schedule in the, in the Big Ten provides you the opportunity to show you're that. So I, I think they're I think they're very close. And honestly, after last night, if I were doing it now, like if I were doing a live bracket every single day, I would probably replace New Mexico. They would be out now, and I'd replace them with either A and M or the Badgers. Mike, I have a question for you. You mentioned North Carolina playing themselves out, Wisconsin possibly playing themselves into the tournament. Um, as we look at this schedule down the stretch run, right, I think we have seven games left. What, what's your magic number for wins where you say if Wisconsin wins X amount of games, they're in for sure? Yeah, people always want me to do that, and I don't do it. <laughs> because that, that concept really doesn't exist. I mean, the magic number is so be fluid. Seven. If, if, yeah, exactly. Because everybody else is, you know, people are, like I said, like Carolina's going one way, Wisconsin's going the other. That's kind of what the Badgers would want. So if, if I'm a Badgers fan, I'm rooting against uh, teams like Carolina, Kentucky, New Mexico last night was a big win for Air Force and a big win for the Badgers. Uh, so that's that's what you're looking at. So, uh, you know, the, like I said, I kind of jokingly, the magic number is seven. Uh, because if they win all of them, there's no question. But that's not <laughs> realistic or logical. Uh, you look at what they have left. You've got three road games. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't think two of them for a team in the Badger situation are losable. And that doesn't make them easy. Nebraska has beaten teams that are in this hunt. They beat Penn State a week ago, a little less than a week ago. Minnesota, to close the season, is a game that the Badgers would have to win. And then everybody else is at home, Michigan, Rutgers, uh, Purdue, and then and then there's the one road Michigan game that, as as I said, uh, I think if they lose that, it won't really hurt them, um, and I don't think it'll hurt them. Obviously, if they lose to Purdue, but it's a great opportunity for a team trying to get in. Uh, so if they if they win those games, uh, you're quote unquote supposed to win home games against tournament caliber op- opposition, then they'll get in. Uh, it, it's not an easy thing to do. Uh, it, the, the more we see the team get back to health. Uh, the more we see Tyler Wall play like his best basketball, and he played very well in the most recent game, mm-hmm. uh, that's a, that's an encouraging sign because I think this is a tournament quality team, but they have to back that up with the with the resume. It, it's always hard as a fan. Like I know this again. All, all these questions that we that we ask you are difficult to answer. But if you say you do lose to Nebraska on the road, but you beat Purdue at home and they're still ranked number one, does one of those? Does the loss hold more weight than the win, or the win hold more weight than the loss? Like, what, what, how, how is that viewed? Yeah, the win would hold more weight. There's no doubt. Uh, Jay Billis uh, says this, and I think maybe I'm about 85% there with him. Uh, Jay says that everybody's going to lose. It's who you beat that really matters. Mm. And I think I, I, I agree with him. Like I said, I'm about 85% there with him because there are certain losses that are really punitive. Like, if if the Badgers had the Iowa loss to Eastern Illinois, mm-hmm. I mean that 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 one that one's a, a really difficult loss for Iowa to explain. Now they've done enough to fight their way to the middle of the field for Mox and with me and others, so it's not going to be as punitive as it could be if they were a bubble type team. Losing to Nebraska just is it just hurts because uh, one it's a road game, so you can show some. You know, it, they want to see you win on the road. That's an important thing. You can show some road muscle there, uh, and it's an opportunity to do that uh, without having to go to Purdue and say win. Uh, 
So there's it, it, that's not a real, really realistic thing. I mean, not very many teams are going to do that. So, mm-hmm. uh, but you're on the road. You're playing a good team. You're playing against a great crowd. Pinnacle Bank Arena, always fabulous. You guys know that. Uh, so you have to play really well to to beat them, and and they're doing a nice job right now. Uh, Kase Tamanaga had such a great game on yeah. on our air on Saturday, uh, and was so much fun to watch. And you have to be able to guard that. Uh, Constant movement, constantly aware of what the best place to be. So it's really important for the Badgers to play great defense in that game. And I, you know, I think that uh, as you go down, I mean, the Michigan. I mentioned Michigan. You play them twice. It, you know, the, it it's too early for either of those games to be an elimination game. Uh, a true elimination game is usually only going to happen in a conference tournament. On the rarest of occasions, maybe in a final game of a regular season. Uh, but it is a game against your competition. Uh, Michigan's in the next four out right now for me, yep. uh, trying to climb. So if you take them out once or twice, uh, that puts a dent in their resume, and it only helps you. What what is what would that win do? Beating Michigan, having them on the next four out, obviously that kind of distances, like you said. Um, but is there? Is there at all like a quota, so to speak, for Big Ten teams? Like I know you have eight Big Ten teams, eight Big 12 teams. Say there's, like you said, New Mexico and Wisconsin. Is there any type of bias towards bigger conferences for entertainment value, anything like that? I don't even know if we're allowed to say that. but um, is- no, You're allowed to ask, and the answer <laughs> yeah. is no. Uh, there, there's no bias. It, I've often said that I don't think that the committee regularly – values dominance in the mid-major and low-major conferences at the level that they should because history has shown that teams that truly dominate i'm talking about winning more than 80 percent of your games on the season they they usually do very well in the in the ncaa tournament and i don't think the committee has always valued that so one could say that they are biased toward the strength that exists in the biggest conferences but between a conference like the mountain west which is really almost i i I tried to about 10 years ago to come up with a phrase that I call fringe major because, you know, the Atlantic 10 and and the American and Mountain West aren't really. And if you compare them and what you go to a San Diego State game and then you go to a Big Ten game and then you go to a, uh, let's say, a Missouri Valley game. If you compare San Diego State's game and what it feels like and what it looks like, it's going to look more like the Big Ten game than it is like and look and feel more like a Big Ten game than like a Valley game. So I don't think they are true mid-major leagues. And so it's not going to hurt. Uh, it doesn't hurt uh, New Mexico to be in the Mountain West. It hurts them to continue to lose games that either you know, against a team like Air Force that should be winnable or close games that they're losing in their conference without having backed it up out of conference with significant achievement. So that's what's taking them down. Meanwhile, teams like Nevada are climbing and they'll go in. But in terms of the number of teams in a conference, I mean, we saw the Big East get 11 in 2011. Uh, in 2020, when we didn't have a tournament, my mock and, and just about everybody's mock at the end of basketball that year had 10 Big East, excuse me, 10 Big 10 teams in. And we've had nine each of the last two years. And if the Badgers were to continue to, succeed most likely uh, they would not replace another big 10 team because there aren't any there other than maybe uh maybe maryland maybe northwestern there aren't many dangling close to the edge uh they probably supplant someone 
I don't know, like a Carolina or someone like that who are going the opposite direction. Perfect. I think Badger fans would be happy to hear that. So last question before we let you go out, just to uh, summarize everything, when we look at it, you know, whatever, what are, what are we looking at? Three, three weeks from now, four weeks from now, and the Badgers team sheet needs to look like this in terms of KPI. What what are the numbers we're eschewing for sure? I, I forget the exact numbers you said. I think you said 66, 67 um, right now. So for the Badgers to be yeah, eschewing, what are we looking at? Right now in the net, uh, Badgers are at uh, – 73 and look there are teams that have made it from that from that range before so it's not you just don't want to have to set precedence you know you'd rather be you know you'd rather the success that you have it's not going to climb to the 40s from where they are now unless they went out and won seven games by 20 points it's not going to climb that high but if they succeed at the level necessary they'll probably get somewhere into the 60s and there are other teams in the 60s that are in my bracket Pitt's an example uh, of a team that's flirting uh, around the 60 mark. Uh, USC is 57 now, uh, and they're still in my bracket. So Pitt's another t- is, is a good example because I said they were in the 60s, but they're actually up to 52 now. And a week ago, they were in the 60s or 10 days ago. So there is room for the Badgers to climb. It just takes performance. And I think that, I think that schedule sets up nicely for the Badgers to do that. And I, as and and with uh, Tyler coming around to full health uh, or closer to full health, I think that sets up nicely for the Badgers to get there. I I I think there's a lot in their favor, even though they're not in my mock. Uh, uh, I think you'll find them uh, if you look at the bracket matrix. You'll find them in a in a wide variety of mock brackets uh, that you, it it posts the a consensus of brackets, and I think you'll find them uh, in a lot of people's. Uh, tournament fields, it not just not universal. It is if I, if I'm looking at the matrix now, they are the literal next team out. Uh, they are oh, wow. out of, they have 42 out of uh, 104 brackets now have them in. Um, so they are the literal next team out, and I think they're a couple of wins away from being close to uh, to unanimous uh, along the, along the bubble line. So then, so best case scenario, let's say we go five and two and go to the Big Ten championship. What is best case scenario? Oh, it's a five seed. You're in the Big seed? Ten championship game and, and you go five and two. It's it's really more about seeding at that point. Can we get as high as um, a six seed? And I think that's a long way to climb. Okay. Uh, it, it's it's but the, the the number of by the time you got to that, the number of quad one wins on top of the the, the six they already have, five they already have, would be significant. And the fact that the Badgers don't have any uh, quad three or four losses is important as well. Mm-hmm. I don't think that other than going to to Wisconsin, excuse me, to uh, Minnesota, I don't think there's a quad three or four game left for them. Uh, so they're going to keep, I, they're more than likely going to keep clean uh, quad three and four all the way through. And they, the other thing that's in their favor is they haven't played a ton of games in those categories. The combined six in three and four, all the rest of their season is in one and two. So those are all in favor of the Badgers as well. Do you have something, John? Yeah, Mike, I had one one final uh, question for you. I just wanted to take a step back and kind of some big picture context. You know, you've been doing this for a long, long time, many decades, as, as Jordan mentioned. So I feel like you're the perfect guy to ask this to because – uh, we need to talk some Badger fans off the ledge right now because we're on the <laughs> bubble. Uh, I think we missed the tournament once in the last 24 years. 
Um, you mentioned earlier, Kentucky's on the bubble, North Carolina's on the bubble, the so-called, you know, blue bloods. <laughs> I think Wisconsin has, has earned the, earned the title of blue bloods with the success we've had over the last 25 years. But, um, you know, could, could you just provide some context for fans to say in all the years you've been doing this and you've seen, you've seen coach K at Duke be on the bubble. You've seen, you know, obviously when we were, uh, my sophomore year with, with, uh, Bo Ryan, we were on the bubble, made it as a 12 seat. So can you just talk about how this is kind of the ebbs and flows of a program and, and some years you're going to be fighting for your life and some years you might be a two seed? Oh, absolutely. I, I, it doesn't happen often that a Carolina or Duke winds up in this position. It doesn't. It, it, it usually takes extraordinary circumstances for that to be the case. Uh, but the, the, the wide variety of programs uh, that are in high major basketball, most of them have years like this. Some of them have years where they fall all the way out. Uh, it doesn't. It hasn't happened at Michigan State. Tom Izzo's been incredible over the last uh, 25, 30 years. He's been amazing. Uh, Kansas, it doesn't happen because Kansas does. You know, they have they they do a great job there. Bill Self is one of the all time greats. Uh, so it doesn't happen to everybody, but it happens to most. And I think that you know you're talking about a program that a year ago was at the very top of the Big Ten charts. So they've had tremendous seasons uh, under Greg Gard. I, it's not, let's not forget that, um, that in the time that Bo was there, 14 and 15, and especially 15, were somewhat anomalies. I mean, they, that was a perfect storm. They had four or five, pro, four or five NBA guys. Uh, they had, you know, uh, the National Player of the Year, Frank, had an incredible year. Uh, that, that, that was a, that was a, you know, that was an extraordinary time. But the, the base of Bo's program was we finished fourth or better in the Big Ten every year. That's what really made Wisconsin bas- basketball exceptional during Bo's 15, 16 seasons. That's what made it exceptional. And Greg has not deviated much from that. They've been very close to that level. And uh, Abby Schnabel, who used to be uh, with the, the Madison paper and now is in Pittsburgh, uh, passed me on media day. And showed me like the sheet that had them pick ninth, and I'm like, like I don't know if they're going back to the top four again, but they're not finishing ninth. I just didn't think that was going to happen then, and I still don't think that'll happen now. Uh, bar- as long as they're healthy, uh, as long as they're as healthy as they are now, or better if Tyler con- continues to feel better, I still think they wind find a way to wind up at least getting one by in the in the Big Ten tournament. And I, as I said, I think their schedule sets up well for them to take a good run at making the field. Awesome. That's great news to hear. As John said, I'm sure that will talk some Badger fans off the ledge coming from someone as esteemed as yourself. Mike, we greatly appreciate you joining the show and uh, giving us that insight. And we look forward to hopefully having you back on again if you're available. But we know you're you're a busy man and Hopefully you don't get uh, too many people on your back during this time, but you know you always got our support and uh, enjoy the enjoy the March Madness season. That is Mike DeCourcy, John. That was a great question for you. I think uh, just to kind of to give some some context, man, to, to Badger fans. Obviously, uh, a lot being said right now as far and, and you know we've talked we've talked that at great great length, so we don't need to don't need to revisit. But I thought that was a great question. Interesting stuff from Mike, and it, it sounds like the Badgers are, are on their way to the tournament. I think that's no surprise here, but good to get that reassurance. I think absolutely. Absolutely. And I, look, it's right there in front of us. You know, it's right there in front of us. If we want to make this happen, 
you know, there's not a game on the schedule that we can uh, that we can't win, and there's not one that we can't lose. So, you know, you're gonna have to earn it if you want to play in March. So that being said, this week, obviously, as as Mike said, got to get that win at Nebraska today. Um, you know, they're they're twelfth in the Big Ten, eleven and fourteen, four and ten. In the Big Ten, uh, Derek Walker is their leading scorer at 13 points a game, shooting 50% from three. And again, as Mike mentioned, Kaisi Tomonaga, who is uh, Japanese. And actually, as I played in Japan, I'm actually excited for him. He averages 12 points a game. He's a guy who actually would make a lot of money in Japan if he so chooses. Um, so that that's actually uh, it's actually cool for me to see just playing internationally for for so long uh, to see you're, a guy like you're that. so global now you're so cultured and global man, now it's, man, it's how far you've come man it's, it's on accident too man it's on accident i swear to god i went from <laughs> i used to watch gargoyles you know in spongebob with rob in the dorms every day and now yeah i'm over here eating yakisoba and stuff in japan so it's it's been great man <laughs> it's been great but got to get that nebraska win then obviously michigan at home who's eight and five in a four-way tie for second uh they won three straight uh, Hunter Dickinson averages 20 and 10 at home and 15 and 7 on the road, but 21 and 9 in the last three wins. So that'll be a good matchup for Steven Crowd to kind of see where he's at and another good test for him. Uh, see how far he's come. I think that's probably maybe the second toughest matchup behind Trace Jackson Davis in the conference um, at the big man spot. Edie. Uh, Edie, Edie as well. Yep. So, although I think, you know, for me, I think Hunter Dickinson, Edie's size obviously is tough, but I think Hunter Dickinson is, is a tougher mat. He, he shoots it a little bit. He steps away from the basket, shoots 39%. It's not, I mean, he's not a shooter, but, you know, obviously we don't like him over here at Wisconsin after what he had to say. That, that's because you're a guard. You don't have to guard a 7'3", 290-pound <laughs> guy. Like, that. that's a tougher matchup, I promise you. You know, but you know what's crazy? As a guard, like, if I have a 6'4 guard who's going to, play physical i'd rather play that than a you know a 511 guard who can who's speedy and is gonna you know what i'm saying you can't really touch him who can shoot the ball can move around so well I that's because you're that strong mindset. you're strong as strong as hell so yeah, you, yeah you, but you i think always. i i think small guards would tell you the same thing like i think small guards would rather play against bigger guards than faster guards okay but i could you know that's just that's just me so i guess i look at it through that lens i look at it through that lens yeah yeah, but back um, to your to to your preview of the Michigan game. I don't know if you know this, Sean, but there's been a little bit of tension, um, just a little bit over the last year with Wisconsin and Michigan. Um, so <laughs> so that will be uh, uh, we'll have to have a great great. Hopefully, we're celebrating a great win on the next podcast. Yeah. Um, but yeah, everybody in the world should be tuning in for that game and, and the handshake lines. <laughs> the handshake line. <laughs> Although we've been assured that that beef was squashed, but I guess we'll find out soon. Um, and then obviously Rutgers at home next Saturday. Uh, we'll, we'll have our next podcast after that game as well. Also eight and five in the Big Ten in that two way tie. Steve Peichel has those guys playing well. Very balanced team. Cliff Amori. 13, uh, 13 and a half a game and 10 rebounds. Cam Spencer uh, averaging 13, four and four, shooting 42% from three. And then Paul Mulcahy, who's nine and five assists per game at 41%. Like I said, they play hard, really, really well-rounded team, a better team at home as most are, uh, but still quite a challenge for the Badgers. So if you can get all those three, I think that, you know, I think honestly that might put us in the tournament if you if you can go three and zero this week. Uh, regard, I mean, and then obviously win the games you're supposed to with Minnesota, Iowa at home, 
um, and you're looking Did at Did you not just listen to anything Mike DeCourcy just said? He said there's no magic number. It's fluid. So stop trying to put a magic number on it if we're in or not. John, you should know by now I don't be listening to nothing none of y'all say. You know, I'm living in my <laughs> own world. So like I'm going to put a magic number on it. And that's what it is. Okay. Win these three and then beat Minnesota and Iowa. We're good. That's that's what I'm saying. Um, I, but, I, I like but moving forward, man, let's get to word on campus. This week, we're going to talk about, for you, and we just kind of briefed it or touched on it real quick, who is the best player in the Big Ten right now in your eyes? Uh, Zach E. And I don't think it's close. Really? Uh, I think he's the best player in the country. Um, and I love Trace Jackson Davis. Like, love him. I think wow. he's I think he's got a bright future uh, in the NBA as well. I think he's, you know, I could see him feeling like a Brandon Clark role, being a very solid you know, versatile five man. Um, I think he's got a very bright future. I love his footwork, love everything about his game. If he could just get, you know, his jumper dialed in. Um, but Edie, just the impact he has on the floor is is greater than any other player that I can that I've watched in college basketball this year. Yeah, you know, I I see what you're saying. I for me it's still Trace Jackson Davis. Honestly, at the big man spot, I think Jalen Pickett is the best player in the Big Ten. I think he's so he's he's so well rounded. He does so many things well. Like I said, he is a big guard. Even though I just said I'd rather guard a small guard, he's a big physical guard who's a matchup problem um, throughout the conference. I think Penn State doesn't quite have the best team, but I would love to see him on one of the better teams in the conference. And I think that you know it's going to be interesting to me if college basketball. Um, just kind of the way sports is trending. It's becoming more of an entertainment business. And if you have to start selling some of these players more, a little bit more than, uh, you know, in the, than the universities with NIL and stuff. But to me, I think Jalen Pickett should be at in the top two, top three for big 10 player of the year. I don't think he will be because of record. Um, but I, I think he, I think he belongs in there. He's, he's tough. So. Yeah, no, he is. He is. And I love his passing. I mean, he, he's the best passer in the big 10. I would say, wouldn't you agree? Uh, yeah, yeah, he's yeah, he's right. If not the best, I mean, he's top. Is he, top. is he leading the league in assists? He's up there. Yeah, I mean, so I, some of that is usage, right? So, but either way, yeah, he's definitely he's definitely in the conversation. I think he's the but best. But like you said, I mean, he's he's third. I'll, I'll give you third. But those two, those top two positions between Edie and Jackson Davis are, are set in stone, and and that's not changing. Yeah, that's fair. We can agree to disagree, my man. Agree to disagree. But, Johnny, that is another week of a shot of whiskey podcast. We were super glad to have you back this week and and welcoming Mike DeCourcy. Every All Badger fans, again, make sure you go follow along on all of our socials. That's YouTube, Twitter, IG, and TikTok with the handle at Beyond the Big Ten. Again, the number 10, not spelled out. For another week, I'm Jordan Taylor with my guy, John Lure. We'll welcome you back next week and stay tuned for all things Badgers and Inside Peak. Go Chiefs, and we'll see you next week. Beyond the Big Ten is a network of podcasts that aims to be your go-to resource for all things Big Ten. We cover the entire conference with shows hosted by ex-players and athletic alumni, aiming to be your go-to source of information and entertainment for your favorite team. Hosted by ex-Big Ten players, media, and insiders, our podcasts are focused on giving diehard fans and those alums an inside scoop about the teams and people that make the Big Ten Conference one of the most watched and most talked about conferences in sports. We're excited to talk Big Ten basketball with you wherever you may be. Subscribe now.